Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 and 5 is our text tonight. The Bible says in verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. I wanna speak to you tonight about understanding prophecy. Understanding prophecy. My journey into the prophetic really started uh, in my mother's womb. My parents were borderline alcoholics, far away from God. My grandmother had been praying for my mum for many years. She was far away from the Lord. And when she was found out that she was pregnant, she didn't know the gender of the baby, had an encounter with God one night, true story, in a little unit in Preston in 1977. And uh, this voice, God, was speaking to her and said, um, go and get the Bible that your mother gave you. And she went, my grandmother had given her a Bible in weeks before, she went, opened the Bible to Jeremiah 1 and it started to talk about the call of Jeremiah as a prophetic voice. And the voice returned and said, the son that's in your womb will grow up to fulfill that call. I want you to raise him in the church. Three weeks after I was born, my mum turned up to a local Salvation Army church, Preston Salvation Army didn't really known much about church or denominations or anything. And uh, at the end of the service, uh, got up and walked down the front. The invitation for the altar call hadn't come yet, but she decided that um, she just wanted whatever uh, that pastor was talking about. So she walked out the front by herself and gave her heart to Christ. My dad got saved three months later. And essentially the rest is history. I, as a teenager, um, was intuitively aware of things that would happen in people's lives. And leaders of the youth ministry of the church I was a part of would ask me at camps and different things to pray for people. And I'd start to pray and after a few minutes, they would look at me, look up and say, how did you know that about my life? And to be honest with you, I didn't really understand what they were saying because no one had taught me the mechanics of the gift or the ministry of prophecy. And I said, no one's talked to me. They're like, if you talk to my mom, no. If you talk to my grandmother, no. Um, I said, how did you know that? I said, I don't know. I'm just praying whatever I sense or whatever I feel. And so for me growing up, it's not everyone's experience, but for me growing up, prophecy was intuitive. And I simply had the ignorance and the boldness to open up my mouth and say whatever came out. Now, unfortunately, that at times would be hit and miss, if you know what I'm talking about. The problem with your gift remaining intuitive 
is as long as it remains intuitive and you don't understand how it works or the mechanics of it, you can't help anybody else grow in that grace or that gift. But the moment that you grow in an understanding of the mechanics of the grace and the gift that's upon your life is the moment not only can you begin to develop that grace, that gift, that craft in your life, but you can help others grow in that grace and that gift as well. Remember uh, hearing a leadership expert call out another big mega church leader and say, you're a great leader, but until you understand why you're a great leader, you'll never be able to raise up other great leaders. 1 Corinthians 12.1 says this, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. Literally means Paul's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. Concerning the things of the Spirit, God does not want us to be ignorant because ignorance always leads to abuse. If a husband and wife are ignorant of how to treat each other, honour each other and serve the marriage relationship, they'll end up abusing each other. Parents who don't understand how to raise their kids, treat their kids, will end up abusing their kids. And it goes the same for spiritual gifts. If you don't understand how prophecy works, the place of it uh, in uh, the Bible and in the New Testament church, it will lead to abuse. And what often happens is when the gifts of the Spirit, like tongues, like prophecy, like different things are abused, it ends up being shoved under the carpet somewhere and reduced to sort of that weird connect group that no one really attends, but everyone is like, they're the weird group. And so they do all that sort of stuff, but we don't want that mainstream. We don't want that on the platform. But the answer to misuse of the gifts isn't non-use, it's the proper use. And in order to properly use the gifts, we need to understand it. We need to actually learn about it. And I believe that one of the fundamental gifts that God is restoring to the church in this day and in this time is the ministry of prophecy. James Gole, a prophetic author, says for too long the church has been a non-profit organisation because of abuse and isolation of the gifts. Why would God give the Ascension Gift Ministries, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, if He didn't want all of those streams and all of those graces to operate maturely in the life of the church? And so to avoid the abuse of any spiritual gifts, let alone prophecy, the motive of our hearts must be pure. And the Bible teaches that the preeminent motive for moving in the gifts of the Spirit, let alone prophecy, is love. In verse one of this passage, we read, pursue love. And then secondly, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. The Bible does not say pursue power, pursue signs and wonders, pursue uh, uh, miracles first. It says pursue love. And then secondly, earnestly desire to grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because love without power, or should I say power without love, will eventually blow up and hurt people. 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. So essentially, uh, we are called to pursue God and the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit complements and comes alongside our pursuit 
of God. The great commandment reveals that love is the signature of Christianity. And so in the Gospels, you read that whatever preempted uh, the miraculous ministry of Jesus, it, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with love. The Bible says in Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus saw the great crowd, he was moved with compassion and then he healed their sick. We talked about this this morning here at Paradise Campus. And so we understand that when our hearts get broken for the things that break the heart of God, we actually become candidates for the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to flow through our lives. Oral Roberts was a great healing evangelist of the 20th century. And before he passed away around his deathbed, there gathered a dozen or so key spiritual leaders from across the body of Christ. And one of these leaders brought their son. And so the pastor's kid is there and is haggling and hassling Oral Roberts to lay hands upon his little head and impart the ministry of healing. And it was getting a little bit annoying. You can imagine someone who's in the last days, weeks, months of their life. And here is this little kid who's, who's like, lay hands on my head and, and was sort of becoming a little bit annoying. And finally, the story says that old Roberts looked at this young man and said, son, fall more in love with Jesus, fall more in love with people and the healing ministry will take care of itself. In other words, the key to growing in the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to keep cultivating the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that when we move in power, there's a maturity to that power because it's the context of it, the motivation for it is love. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter of the Bible, love is patient, love is kind, uh, love is not uh, envious or jealous. Uh, it, it, the reason that 1 Corinthians 13 is, was written and is sandwiched between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is not because Paul had your wedding and my wedding in mind when he wrote that chapter. Now, if you, that, that verse of Scripture was read out at your wedding, that's okay because all of those things are true. It's just not, that's what not the Apostle Paul was writing about when he wrote to the church in Corinth. You see, the reason he had to talk about love is because the church in Corinth were so enamoured with the gifts of the Spirit and particularly those gifts that were self-serving, not those gifts that were building up, that Paul had to correct their bad theology and bad application and say, hey, it's awesome you wanna move in the gifts, but Firstly, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. What does verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 13 say? If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, but I don't have love, I am nothing. You can have the gift of faith to move mountains. You can raise all the money that could possibly be raised in the world. You could preach the greatest, like the, the, the greatest preacher in your generation. You could understand the secrets of men's hearts, but if it's not couched, motivated and contextualised through love, it means nothing. It will all be burned up on judgment day and amount to ash. But when however little or small or great our ministry might impact others around us when it's motivated by love. God sees it and He affirms it and He says, that's good. You see, prophecy is a divinely inspired word that reveals God's heart, His mind and His intention for people. 
The Bible says in verse one, pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now in the Greek prophecy, propheteo, it means to foretell events, to speak under divine inspiration. In the Old Testament, Hebrew, naba means to speak or sing under the inspiration of the Spirit. So when we talk about prophecy, we're talking about speaking, singing, or writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1.21 says, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of a person, but was produced or carried along by the Spirit of God. It is not something that is based upon you in the natural, measuring someone up, looking at their external appearance and then forming a perspective, joining the dots and saying a few things. That's profiling someone psychologically. And we've got to be careful that we don't prophesy out of our soul simply because of external appearance. I find it fascinating that one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, Samuel, was even in danger of falling into this trap when he came to anoint the next king of Israel. He was enamoured with the external appearance of things and God says, ignore that. I don't judge or look as man looks. Man looks on the outward, but I look on the heart. Nothing wrong with looking after yourself, keeping healthy, fit, and even wearing nice clothes, but that's just not what God is attracted to. He's attracted to your spirit. He's attracted to your heart. God looks on the heart. He blesses the right heart. He blesses the right motive. He, when he sees someone with a heart that is integrous and a character that is, is, is set apart for him and he's willing to say no to the dishonourable things of this world, to be an available and honourable vessel, he can anoint any old vessel that looks any old way because he's looking for the right heart. See, to foretell something is to know the future. I was ministered, my great friends, uh, Pastor Ken and Chrissy Lee, leading Nations Church in Perth for many years, four times a year for six years. I would go and prophesy into that house. And on my last trip there before the craziness of pandemic lockdowns, I'm there literally in the first two minutes of my message and God speaks to me and says, I'm, tell them I'm about to give them a building. There is a building that they went to before and it, it's significant. And the Lord said it's close to the church um, and the, the price range was well out of reach. But the Lord says it's gonna become available to them and they had to go and have a discussion. And within weeks, uh, th this will be given to them. And I literally because I've tested this and walked with God for a little while now and, and journeyed myself in discerning to hear the voice of God and had mentors and different people discipling me in this and they had a trusted relationship with me. As I opened up my mouth, literally it activated something in the spiritual realm because when the prophetic anointing gets into a room, it isn't just their words that shift things, it's the very presence of the Holy Spirit that manifests through prophecy in that person's life that shifts atmospheres. And so they 
took that to heart. They wrote it down. They prayed over it. Literally within one week, they had a conversation with the property owner that they'd been to years before and to no avail. And this property owner had dropped the price by $3 million and wanted to discuss selling it to them. Today, they are, they are meeting, worshipping, gathering in that very property. And on the opening of the property, which is significant, they played this prophecy back and every single person in that room has come into agreement with the power of foretelling, knowing something about the future before it happened that activated new circumstances in their church. The Bible talks about foretelling. Foretelling is to cause the future. There are now something like 36 couples around the world who have come to me after conferences or meetings like this that were barren, that were broken, multiple miscarriages, and they bring their precious baby and child to the, the service and they say, look what God has done. I said, well, you had something to do with it too. Look what God has done. And they said, we were, you know our story, we were broken, we were barren. One couple had four miscarriages and they bring their beautiful baby boy to dedicate and they say this was a result of a prophetic word. So prophecy not only foretells or foreknows, but prophecy foretells, it causes the future. It activates something. There's foreknowledge, there's an awareness of something before or as it is happening. It was about six years ago here in the city of Adelaide, I'm ministering at a church in the northern suburbs and as I'm ministering there, I look across at this family, it was a prophetic meeting and uh, there seemed to be a, a, a couple with kids and God began to show me this image of a black and white Chevy with 1967 written on the number plate. And so I began to unpack this scene, this picture of this sports car. And, uh, and I began to talk about how this sports car represents this man's heart and this man's life and, and how he takes great pride in looking after this sports car. And, uh, and, and he, he arrives at an issue in the mechanics of that car that he can't resolve. And, and, and he, no matter how much he tries, he can't, he can't work it out until he goes to the chief mechanic and he asks the question. The chief mechanic says, do this, do that. And I said to him tonight, you are that black and white Chevy and you are coming to the chief shepherd and the great shepherd of your soul and there are things in your family you don't understand. You've hit a wall, you can't break through but the chief shepherd of your soul is gonna provide solutions and answers tonight and I began to unpack this. Tears are streaming down their face. That either means really good or really bad. And so when it got to the altar call, the first five people out the front was this man and his wife and their three kids. And they all, I didn't know, but they all surrendered their life to Jesus on that night. And he said to me at the altar, I am a auto mechanic of vintage sports cars. Yesterday, I was working on a black and white Chevrolet built in 1967. I had an issue with the mechanics. 
I could not resolve. And he said, my family's been asking me to come to church for years. And I've said, no, but I came tonight. And he said, my whole focus is everything that you've described in my life, but I'm facing something in my personal life that I cannot resolve. And they gave their life to Jesus on the spot on that night. I'm telling you, God is awesome. He knows exactly what we need to hear when we need to hear it, what He needs is available willing vessels. Prophecy is God going public with His thoughts, His desires and His intentions. Most of the problems associated with prophecy and with uh, prophetic giftings occur when zealous believers approach New Covenant or New Testament prophecy with an Old Covenant mindset. For those of you who may be unfamiliar, the Bible is broken up into two testaments or two covenants, old and new. And so what often happens is, is that in our zeal for God's house and for the gifts of the Spirit and God's Word, we can sort of take Old Testament thinking and theology and approach to ministry and apply it in a New Testament context. And sometimes we can get our wires crossed and people get hurt. The Bible says in Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So every prophetic word, uh, inspired thought or ministry has ultimately got to point us back to Jesus. How many of us know it's all about Jesus? When we get away from Jesus, we lose it. We get focused on things that are unhelpful. And so the prophetic must always also not just reveal the secrets or details of our life, but bring us back to falling more in love with Jesus. So therefore, the prophetic, like other ministry gifts, needs accountability. Think about a river. Every river has a bank to it because without a bank, the river becomes a flood. And when a river becomes a flood, it causes damage. So too with the prophetic. When the prophetic doesn't have accountability, it doesn't have riverbanks. And so if we're not holding to account, not in a controlling way, but in a mature way, an alignment with the Word of God concerning the ministry or the gift of prophecy, it can end up hurting people. The nature of prophecy in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was characterised by judgment. If you read the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the list goes on, Ezekiel, let alone the minor prophets, it's all often about judgment. God's gonna come and do this. God's gonna come and do this. Because the nature of people's faith in God was according to observance of the law. As long as you keep observing the law, everything was okay. But the moment you stepped outside of that and replaced your worship of God with other things, judgment would come. But you've got to understand in the new covenant through the cross, it all changes. The new covenant is characterised by mercy. It's characterised by grace. It's no longer fueled by law and judgment, but by mercy and grace. So it's important that you don't apply Old Testament thinking, Deuteronomy 18.20, false prophets get stoned to New Covenant, New Testament applications of ministry. Why? Because prophecy in the New Covenant, which characterises all of us here in this room in 2022, is grace-filled, it's not law-driven. 
prophecy in the Old Testament had to be judged with life or death because people were spiritually dead. The Holy Spirit didn't live in every believer. The Holy Spirit only came upon select prophets, priests and kings. So the only way you knew whether prophecy was correct or not was whether it came to pass or not. And if it came to pass, awesome. If it didn't, we're gonna take you out the back and stone you. Aren't you glad you don't live under the old covenant? Some Christians still live like that. They operate like that. But we're now under the new covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done on the cross for us. And so in the New Testament, the receiver of the prophetic word has as much accountability and responsibility as the giver of the prophetic word. Why? Because of 1 John 2, 27, the anointing, which is the person and power of the Holy Spirit, abides in you and can teach you and guide you into all things. How you going? I'll, I'll give you more, don't worry. What does prophecy do? It builds people up and it draws people closer to God's heart. Verse three of this passage says, prophecy edifies, builds up, it exhorts, it stirs up, and it comforts, it lifts up. General prophetic ministry, general prophetic words, if it doesn't build up, stir up, or lift up, we need to question what motive, what spirit, is actually behind this. Now what the Apostle Paul does in this passage, he contrasts tongues with prophecy. We talk about speaking in tongues or the gift of tongues. We're talking about that prayer language. We're talking about that manifestation of the Spirit when you get baptised in the Spirit. We're talking about that which builds up your spirit. Paul says, I want you all to speak in tongues, which implies some aren't or some won't or don't. And he says, I want you all to why? Because it's a beautiful gift that will build up your spirit. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit on all occasions. But then he says, as much as I want you all to speak in tongues, even more, even more, somebody say even more, even more I want you to prophesy. Why? Because prophecy is not just about building you up, it's about building others up. In other words, what God manifests in me must edify others through me. This turns Christianity on its head where it's not about consumer Christianity and it's not about me serving myself and simply building myself up. I'm here to serve you. I'm not here for another gig, another platform, and I've got nothing better to do. I'm here to come and serve you this weekend because ultimately there's gotta come a point in our lives and our ministries where it's about others and not about ourselves. I stopped asking my wife years ago, how did I preach today, honey? How was it? Number one, because I never got the answer I wanted because God put my wife in my life to keep me humble, if you know what I'm talking about. Secondly, because it's not about how you performed or how you did. It's all about, was anybody served today? Was anybody built up today? Was anybody edified today? Did anybody leave different to the way that they came in? That's what ministry is. 
Ministry isn't come and look at my gift. Ministry is how can I serve you? How can I minister to you? How can I pour out God's love into your life? And when God finds a vessel that is completely focused upon that, everything changes, everything shifts, and He will add grace upon grace. He will do things you can't do in your own natural strength. Why? Because He's found the right heart. He's found the right motive. He's like, His eyes are running to and fro throughout the earth looking to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are completely loyal to Him. And when He finds them, don't worry, the anointing will follow. The power will follow because He's found the right heart. Sometimes God might even reveal a challenge, a problem, a struggle in someone's life when it comes to the prophetic. But this is what I've learned. Being prophetic is not about exposing problems. Being prophetic is about providing solutions. It's about looking for the gold in people, not looking for what's wrong with people. There is an issue when we've got people who proclaim to be prophetic voices are always sending me texts about impending judgment on Australia and this and that. I'm like, is your name Isaiah? Is your name Ezekiel? Last I checked, it wasn't. Let's leave the judgment to God and let's edify, let's exhort, let's build up. It doesn't mean that there isn't a place for correction, but have you discovered the Holy Spirit's pretty good at doing that? All Himself, He doesn't often need your help. And if we would just teach the Scriptures a model of Christ-like life, it's amazing what God will do in someone's life to bring conviction and it's the Holy Spirit that convicts the world of righteousness and judgment. We're gonna be careful about coming to a New Testament expression of ministry with an old covenant mindset. You see, you need to understand something about God. When God speaks to you, He speaks to you through the filter of completion. He doesn't look at you according to your problem. He looks at you through the cross according to your forgiveness, salvation, restoration. He sees you in your completed self and there you have a prophetic ministry come along and they're calling out amazing things over someone's life and everyone who knows that person going, "Uh uh-uh, that's not of the Lord. I know their issues. I know they got this. I know they got that. And that is definitely not from the Lord. Don't you know what they did last week? Don't you know that they're a gossip? Don't you know that this and that? And you don't understand. God is not ignorant of those things but He's seeing their completed transformation. He's seeing their completed sanctification. And so that's why He'll call out purity and honour over someone that's caught in the bondages of lust. It's not because He's ignoring, but He's calling them higher to be who He has called them to be. What does the Bible say in Romans 4, 17? God calls those things that are not as if they already were. And what prophecy does, it catches a glimpse of your completed self and speaks that future person into the present. And that word that when it meets with faith collides with the intention of God and you are propelled, you're carried forward into all that that word represents in your life. There's other mechanics, there's other things. We could do a whole seminar, 
But this I know, every single believer in this room is invited to prophesy. Doesn't mean you hear this message, walk out, start sending the premier prophetic words. Don't do that. It doesn't mean you just get Pastor Joshua's email and start, you know, he probably won't read them anyway. But it's, <laughs> Caroline will, but he won't. <laughs> but it does mean this, that every single one of us have been invited every day of our lives to eavesdrop in on the voice of God. And as we spend time in the foundation of our walk with God and the Word, and this becomes our bread that we eat every day, becomes that food that nourishes and ministers to us in the midst of the Logos, the written Word, God will reveal His Rhema-inspired Word. And He'll start to speak to you things that you're like, I never heard that before, but it's all based on the Word of God. It's all founded on the Word of God because prophecy will never contradict the truth, the doctrine of Scripture. You say, well, what about the prophecies about destiny and visas and where to live and this and that? Well, they'll come, but that every prophecy, every revelation of God's heart will always follow the trajectory of wisdom in the Word of God. And if it doesn't witness or align with the trajectory of wisdom in the Word of God, we, we, we've got to just hold off on that. Not put it on the shelf. No, what you do is you pray into it, pray over it, and you actually respond to it because prophecy is not automatic. It's conditional upon your response. If you don't respond, if you don't steward it, we've been hearing all day about stewardship. If you don't steward that word, stewardship begins with prayer. Stewardship is, okay, I've got this directive word. You bring it to your oversight, your point leader. And you say, hey, can you pray with me over this? What do you think about this? You don't just run off and go sell your house and give all your possessions away because the prophecy came. That's immature response. You test it, you pray into it, you journey with people. And when you feel like you're getting your revelation about your next step in your work and this and that, you, you, you are a part of a connect group. You bring it into leadership environments and you say, hey, can you pray with me and journey with me in this so we can, I can align with this together? How does this look? How does this work? That's the heart of a humble follower of Jesus. It's not, this is my word, keep your hands off. I'm gonna run off and do what I do. It's no, no, I'm gonna submit this and I'm gonna allow God to speak on this journey. You see, you need to know today, prophecy and the power of God is not the market share of really holy people. It's not an award for good behaviour. You're not holy to get more market share of power. You're holy because you love Jesus and you want to be holy because He said, be holy as I am holy. What does holiness mean? Being set apart. I don't wanna be set apart so I can get more power. That's a works law mentality that says if I'm a, a good Christian, I'll get more power. That's old covenant. New covenant says you couldn't do anything to save yourself. You're a dirty, rotten sinner. 
When was the last time a preacher told you that? Because that's what Jesus, that's what the Bible says. That's why we needed Jesus. That's what you talked about last weekend at Easter. No one seeks God without God initiating the action. We're all dead in sin, but the Gospel is Jesus Christ has made us alive. So don't think if I'm a really good Christian, I'll get more power. Oh, I've seen some people that God moves in great power and I went, I'm not too sure whether they're very Christian-like because there's this thing called grace. Divine unmerited favour. And there's this thing called faith. And God sometimes through sovereign grace and our faith just lavishly, graciously, not sometimes, all the time gives. That doesn't mean that we live less than what God calls us to. It just means we understand that what God is looking for is a heart that's wholly His. He'll give the gift. He'll extend the grace. He'll move heaven and earth to give you the anointing that's upon your life. But when He finds that person that in faith, with a renewed mind and a hunger to serve people and love people, He extends grace to hear His voice. He extends grace to move in miracle working power. And then when we say, Jesus, I don't want this just to be about my gift or about power, but I want to reflect your heart. Then you can ask the question, God, would you show me your heart today for this person, for this church, for this ministry, for this thing? And God will begin to show His heart and reveal His heart. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. 
I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.